Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. There are so many lawsuits out there over those toxic nonstick chemicals, it would be crazy for anyone to try to sort through all of them. Well, on this episode of Parts for Billion, we do exactly that and give you a roundup of what might be the most consequential litigation of 2020. Hello, and welcome back once again to another episode of Parts Per Billion, the podcast from Bloomberg Environment. I'm your host, David Schultz. So we've talked about it before, and we're going to talk about it again. The chemicals known as PFAS are going to be a big, big story in 2020. For those of you a little behind, these are the nonstick chemicals that are used in a variety of products, from pots and pans to firefighting foam, and they unfortunately almost never biodegrade, which means they just stick around in the environment and in human bodies. There's a ton of litigation over these chemicals from nearly every conceivable angle, and we're going to break all that legal action down for you, or at least try to. With me here today to take on this task are Ellen Gilmer and Pat Rizzuto. Sylvia Kerrigan will be joining us a little bit later. So, Ellen, let's start with you. You have a case with the uh, a very uh, catchy title of Inray E.I. DuPont de Nemours and Company C8 Personal Injury Litigation. So that just really, that's a sort of household name right there. Yeah, it's really spicy stuff. <laughs> what? So, okay. What is this case? Uh, it's in Ohio, but what? who are the parties? What are the stakes here? So this is a, a set of cases that are all rolled together in what's called multi-district litigation. Multi-district litigation. That's right. So in an MDL, for short, uh, a court will roll together a whole bunch of cases that are similar, just so it's a little bit easier to sort through them. Yeah. So this MDL is really interesting because it stems all the way back to litigation that was launched by Rob Ballot, which a lot of people who are tracking PFAS know he is somebody he is the lawyer from Ohio who's featured in the recent movie Dark Waters. He's also the lawyer who uh, many parts per billion listeners may know as uh, a guest on the show uh, who spoke with us recently. Uh, and yes, as you mentioned, he was uh, portrayed in the movie Dark Waters by Mark Ruffalo. So Rob Ballot and other lawyers worked on this case uh, on a set of cases like 20 years ago. The defendant here is DuPont and DuPont. its spinoff, Camors. Right. And we're actually going to get to the relationship between DuPont and Camors in a little bit. So stay tuned for that. But it sounds like this is, you know, dozens and dozens or maybe hundreds of, of people who are suing DuPont and Camors because they say this PFAS chemicals 
uh, harm them, uh, poison them, I guess. Uh, and it's this is all wrapped up in one court in Ohio, right? Right. So, but a little bit of background that's important. What happened in earlier litigation is in a settlement, thousands of people got their blood tested to see if they had been exposed to PFAS, at what levels, and what health health impacts that might have had. So the case goes back to all of these people whose blood was tested for exposure, and then scientists determined uh, which health impacts were likely related. Now, the stage in litigation that's happening now is people who have these different health problems that were linked to exposure, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to get uh, DuPont Comores to compensate them. I see. So this is, uh, so there, but didn't you say there was a settlement? I thought that the, this case got, got resolved. What's the, uh, you know, I thought this was case closed. There's been a lot going on. So initially there was a settlement in which there was just money available and that money was used for people to get their blood tested so we could figure out what was going on here. Subsequent to that, there a bunch of people filed suit about their actual health problems. DuPont settled thousands of those cases, but there are still today dozens that are left. Oh, some of them didn't settle. Correct. And some were filed after the settlement because people are still becoming aware of health impacts they have that could be linked to their exposure. So DuPont's already paid out a lot of money for this, but it sounds like some of these cases are going to be going to trial and, you know, DuPont may have to pay out a lot more to those folks. What What's you know what are the stakes here for Dupont if they lose those cases at trial, which would be pretty remarkable. So it's really important because it can what happens with this litigation, even though it's been going on and there have been previous settlements, the cases there's one case that's set to go to trial later this month if it stays on track. That's part of this multi-district litigation, and depending on what happens in the trial or a settlement, that sends signals to all this other PFAS litigation that's going on all around the country for what. Uh, plaintiffs should be working for. Yeah. So they, so if they, you know, if these folks in Ohio win, uh, you know, a really big settlement, then other folks who are suing other people across the country will say, well, we can get that too. So we should be able to sue other companies and get the same amount. So this is, the stakes here are enormous for these companies that made PFAS, right? Right. And the calculus when you're negotiating a settlement really changes based on all these external factors. So with the heightened awareness of PFAS in general, um, that isn't working well in DuPont's favor if they were going to try to settle this these cases. Depending on the outcome, could this case have implications for the companies that have used PFOA to make other chemicals that they use for other manufacturing processes. Definitely. So this case deals with people who live around uh, DuPont chemical manufacturing site on the Ohio River. But there are all of these other cases, like you mentioned, where other types of companies who just use those chemicals in their own manufacturing process, they're getting sued too. They didn't make the chemicals, they just use them. They just use them to make other things uh, like shoes and plastics. So that's a great segue into Pat's lawsuit, uh, because as you mentioned, the folks who are suing DuPont in Ohio are, you know, were exposed to the chemicals because they live next to a chemical manufacturing plant. The plaintiffs in your case, I get the sense, are a little bit broader than that. Uh, That's an understatement. Um, What's going on in in your case? It's Hardwick V3M, also in Ohio. It's Kevin Hardwick, who's worked as a firefighter in the Cincinnati area for about 40 years. And he's suing 10 companies that are making or have made different types of PFAS chemicals. And what he's looking for on behalf of himself and 
every person in the U.S. who has these chemicals in their blood, which means everybody in so, the U.S. Yeah, we, we should, that's the point that we should sort of uh, belabor here. Like, <laughs> right. the, the, this is a class action suit. For, it seeks to be. It seeks to be a class action suit for every single person who has PFAS in their bloodstream, which theoretically could be everyone. Correct. How so? I mean, where? What is his argument that literally everyone in the United States should be a, a plaintiff in a class action lawsuit? What he's seeking isn't damages. What he's seeking is information. Oh. What he wants is information that will let us know whether this experiment in which we've been exposed to these synthetic chemicals is making us ill. So, I mean, Ellen's lawsuit that we, we just talked about, it sounds like it was mainly limited to the Ohio Valley. And that lawsuit had huge implications. I mean, it, it resulted in a movie starring Mark Ruffalo. Like, that's a pretty big implication unto itself. It sounds like what you're talking about is taking that type of a lawsuit and making it nationwide. Right. Like, that could, what are the, I mean. What... And, and adding who knows how many chemicals to it. So if Mr. Hardwick, as you mentioned, is successful here, what are the stakes? I mean, what what could potentially happen for these chemical makers or just for everyone? On the one hand, we'd get information that we just don't have. It's often surprising to people and it's surprising to regulators who are suddenly, you know, finding this in their community's water, um, that we don't know much about these chemicals, some of which have been in commerce for decades and decades, some of which are newer. Um, It would be an information-forcing lawsuit because in the decades that EPA has known about these chemicals, it has never actually required companies to provide Mm. information about them. On the other hand, the companies that are being litigated say just because you've got chemicals in your body doesn't mean they're causing harm. Right. A couple of key things haven't been decided yet. One is, can there be a class action that's this big? I mean, that's the huge question. I'm not an attorney, uh, but I just have to imagine that's like would be one of the biggest class actions in U.S. history. So even before that, of course, as you'd expect, the companies that are defending themselves have been trying to get the case dismissed. That didn't work. Now, the next case is they want this case um, to be transferred into another multi-district litigation case that is focused on what's called AFFF foam. It's a specialized type of firefighting foam. And that's... I, I I happen to know what that stands for. It is aqueous film forming foam. A triple F. Thank you. Very you. Much. Yes. <laughs> it's so so they want to get this this case moved in to you know be heard with uh, dozens or or hundreds of other cases. But it sounds like that's yet to be decided. And that decision is supposed to be made January thirtieth. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Pat and Ellen, for bringing us up to speed on those cases. Uh, We're going to take a little break, but stay tuned because we're going to be talking about the military's role in all of this and also why PFAS is causing two corporate titans to duke it out in court. Stay tuned. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company 
just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. All right, we're back and we're talking about PFAS litigation. We're picking our top four most interesting uh, PFAS lawsuits for 2020. And Sylvia Carrigan has uh, joined us. Uh, and Sylvia, we haven't really talked about the military that much uh, and their role in this whole saga, but it sounds like you have a case that uh, involves them. What, what's this case all about? Right. So this case is essentially Giovanni versus the U.S. Navy. Giovanni versus U.S. Navy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Kristen Giovanni is representing herself, her spouse, and her kids. Okay. Uh, they all live fairly close to two uh, Navy facilities mm -hmm. in eastern Pennsylvania. And they've been concerned about PFAS in their in their drinking water. All right. And we should say the PFAS, it sounds like, got in their drinking water from the Navy facilities that use it in the firefighting foam. You know, yes, a, they suspect it's from the foam. There's There maybe is like a fire on base or a, 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 a runway. Or training exercise. A training too. exercise. Mm -hmm. They spray the foam. The foam gets into the water and it migrates. So... So they are concerned and they're suing the Navy. What are they suing them over? What do they want? So the big concern here is medical monitoring. Basically, they want the Navy to be able to pay for any medical exams they have in years to come to just see if they have any sort of effects from being exposed to PFAS chemicals. That sounds pretty simple. Um, why? What's, what's the twist here? The twist is super fun. Super fun. Oh, <laughs> super fun. What's, tell me more about that. So uh, the Giovanni family sued under uh, Pennsylvania's version of Superfund law. Okay. Basically, they're saying the Navy is polluting and we want to hold you responsible under state law. And we should also say to, for those that uh, are not, you know, humongous nerds, uh, Superfund is the law that or the nickname for the law that governs how you clean up polluted, contaminated sites. Right. Mm -hmm. if, if there's a pollution on a site, this is the law that tells you how to do it. Mm -hmm. There's a whole process that you go through to do the cleanup. There is an actual super fund. Like there's a fund. <laughs> there of, is a fund. I with was, money in it. I've wondered. A little bit of money in it uh, from the EPA to hand out to some of these sites. Okay. So they're saying, um, you know, there's this, our site, the place where we live is contaminated and the Navy is responsible for, for contamination. You need to clean it up. Mm -hmm. So the Navy doesn't want to do any of those things. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Navy says that in order to give you guys the uh, medical monitoring that you're asking for, PFAS would have to be declared hazardous. So Superfund law, federal law, does not do that yet. Uh, Pennsylvania law does not do that yet. So they are essentially waiting for either the state or the EPA to say that PFAS are hazardous substances. So without that designation, they won't be able to uh, be eligible for that medical monitoring. But it sounds like the Giovannis are saying, like, why do we need to wait for this? You know, we already know that our water is contaminated and we know that 
we or we have a pretty good idea it was the Navy's fault. Why do we need to wait for some sort of designation? Hey, we need like can pay for this medical monitoring now, right? That is their argument. They're saying that you know basically the EPA is on the cusp of doing this designation anyway, and Pennsylvania is already in progress. So why don't we just go ahead and move forward with the case? Uh, the Navy saying let's hold on. Uh, maybe we put a stay on this case for about six months and wait and see how it goes. Uh, the court didn't like that. They don't like stays. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the next decision will be for the judge to say whether, you know, we're going to hold off or move forward with the case. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right. We'll be keeping an eye on that. And then uh, finally, uh, we are going to uh, land at a dispute between not between uh, people and a company, but between a company and a company. Companies are people, too. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks <laughs> uh, Mr. Romney. Um so the case here is Camors versus DuPont. As we mentioned, DuPont was one of the big makers of PFAS for a long time. But then in 2015, they spun off this other company called Camors. And one of the conditions of the spinoff was that Camors would take all of the liability that DuPont may have in the future from PFAS chemicals and just sort of agree to pay that. So that was going okay for a while until a few years later when they realized we could have a lot of liability. Like PFAS could create... Uh, just a massive amount of lawsuits, and we would have to pay for that. So Kimura sued its former parent company in court under a sealed lawsuit. So no one knew this had happened. And they said, this agreement that you made when you spun us off was unfair. We don't think this is legit. We think that you should. we should be able to sort of open this back up and rewrite it. Again, sealed lawsuit. No one knew it had happened. Except then it got unsealed. Uh, and then everyone saw it happened, and Kimura's investors were very upset because the uh, people who had invested in Kimura's had been told everything's fine, we can manage the PFAS liability, we're you know making plans, and this is something we can pay for. I I thought it was fascinating because you know it's like a child suing their parent and you know saying like you didn't set me up for my future. You didn't give me enough allowance in the years when I was living in your house for me to be able to move out on my own. Yeah, I mean, this is like Shakespearean levels of like, you know, father-son conflict and like maybe I'm just reading it too much into it. And I don't know where the investors fit in that analogy, but they're basically (laughs) saying that the uh, parent company, or excuse me, that the child company, you know, executives knew all of this information, that they were very worried enough to go to court about it. But they weren't revealing all of that to the investors. Right. That's exactly right. That they said that that not only did, uh, you know, the Camorra's executives not have enough to handle all of these liabilities, but that they knew that and they lied about it. Now, of course, Camorra's is denying that. They're saying, you know, just because we're suing our former parent company doesn't mean we're insolvent. We can still handle all these liabilities. We just want to rewrite the agreement and maybe get that out on a on a get us on a better footing. All right. That was Bloomberg Environment, Sylvia Kerrigan and Ellen Gilmer with uh, Pat Rizzuto uh, chiming in a little bit earlier, as well as myself, giving you a roundup of a few significant PFAS lawsuits. We have so, so much more about PFAS on our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. Seriously, go check it out. There is good stuff there. If you want to chat with us on social media, use the hashtag parts per B. That hashtag, once again, is parts per B. Today's episode of Parts for Billing was produced by myself, along with Marissa Horn, Jessica Coombs, RJ Jewell, and special assistance from Anna Yukonanov. The music for this episode is A Message by Jazar and The Detroit Dipper by Phil Chilton. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening. 
Cases and Controversies is all about the Supreme Court. Oh, come on. You know, come on. Well, I agree with you. Be serious. We sit down with leading practitioners and scholars to break down these cases. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up so I didn't have to. uh... Oh, I didn't know that. That is interesting. I guess my imagination is running wild. Tune in every week for our deep dive and sneak peek episodes wherever you get your podcasts. As always, check out the latest at news.bloomberglaw.com. <laughs> your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.